Hey, this is Brandon McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you listen to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. Welcome back to the Scoop, AlScoop.com's podcast. This is season six, episode 28, the Marshall Falk episode. We can throw in some other 28s there, although we might be stumped this week. Again, John DeCarlo joined by Sam Cohn and Sam Newman. Kyle Gauss is not with us. He's still alive, just to say he's not with us, but uh, off this <laughs> week. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be back next week. How are you guys doing? Alive and well. Today's our today's Sam's and my wellness day. It's our second out of two days the entire semester that we have off. John, I guess technically it's a wellness day for you too. You don't have work, or you have less work. No, I have but work, I have work to do. You're just not. So both you guys, you know, are in my advanced sports reporting class. So I, I did not email anybody about any class related stuff today. Give them a break. Tried to send a limited number of work emails. So I can't say it's not a work day. I had work to do but um yeah i mean we're encouraged to encouraged to kind of take some time but you know when when you get work emails you have to respond to them i don't know i, I don't know that i sent any response to saying sorry wellness day get back to you tomorrow but i don't know what would it's you also in the well it's also like the middle of the week so i still have work i have to do like i have to finish my project for your class for tomorrow and like i have other work for other classes Guilt trip so, <laughs> so like it's a wellness day we have off from classes but i still have things i need to do and it's raining. It's, it's a torrential downpour outside, so you can't really enjoy the weather. What did you guys, did you guys get to do? Anything relaxing, Sam Newman? You had to get up and work, right? No, I, I was working. I, I got to uh, watch a couple episodes of The Shield today. That, that was relaxing for me, I guess. Not, not, I guess, relaxing. That show is pretty intense, but checking out for the first time because my dad and uncle have told me that it's like one of the greatest shows. So lives up to the hype so far. So if you, I might, people might have not have checked it out. It's on Hulu, so... Uh, besides that, not really anything. Um, you know, we, uh, my group got ahead and, and we got our podcast done on, on, well, we recorded our podcast at Monday. I think it's already edited by now. So, uh, for, for John's advanced sports writing class, it looks like Sam's a bit of a slacker on this one, but did I, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I just Google the shield? Maybe I did. Didn't realize that was a show back. Who's in- to say? <laughs> it's, a, it's a great show. I love it. 2002 it's an older show right yeah michael chickalos so nothing nothing particularly interesting on wellness day other than sam watching the shield sam is is sporting his high school track and field jacket as we record this and he got a new podcast comfy. and that's that's the big news of the week is i got a podcasting mic there you go because podcasting is something that we do somewhat frequently i figure it was time yes so we I, have Go ahead, Sam. Well, I don't know if this is that exciting, but my fully vaccinated parents will be coming to visit me on Saturday. So there you go. I haven't seen them since January, so that'll be nice. Now, what are you guys uh, going to do? Phenomenal. Uh, we are going to, um, what are we doing? I, we're going to go get food somewhere. My parents are huge foodies. Uh, my dad has already been looking up places to go. My my parents love Guy Fieri and uh, Diner drive-ins and dives and always try to go to those places wherever so apparently there's a couple on um in philly in like 2020 i think there's this sandwich shop like on um south street called like woodrow something that my parents want to try so we're gonna go do that 
Um, you go to Krispy Kreme and get a free donut. I mean, they could. I'm I'm not vaccinated yet. We have we have a we have a Krispy Kreme by our house in Charlotte. Sam Cohn giving you all the all of the out of the way haunts. There's this 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 mom and pop donut place called Creamed. <laughs> not sure if you've heard of it. Yeah, this is mom and pop donut place called Federal Donuts. Have you ever heard of that? Oh God, I miss Federal Donuts. It's great. Federal Donuts is so great. Just driving into um, the office and and saying, uh, you know, Seventh and Spring Garden. Well, not Seventh and Fairmount, more like not too far away. But oh, Federal Donuts is incredible. Never. I. I mean, we talk about bad cheesesteak experiences. Like at the end, I don't think I've ever had a bad experience at, at Federal Donuts. So we always get a bang for your buck there. Well, have you had the chicken there too? Like the. Yeah, I've had. It's it's pretty good. Solid stuff. Sam, let me. You'll have to let us know where you guys go to, to get food, whether it's if you're sitting outside or it's takeout or something like that. Depends what it depends on what they're what they're looking for. So your dad's just gonna provide the list and you guys are just gonna eat yourselves. Yeah, that's that's my dad's thing, is like whenever my parents like go away somewhere, like my dad is like the ultimate vacation planner ever. I mean, I guess this is considered a vacation. So like he'll look and and for food and that sort of stuff. So I, I will let you guys know where where we end up. Calories don't count when you're on vacation. No, the calories. Yeah, they never do. <laughs> it's a myth. Sam Cohn, if your parents do, if they come down to visit you and they they love you and care about you, do they come down and visit you? And if so, where do you guys go to eat? Where would my parents come? Yeah, like if my parents came, where would we go? My so my mom has only been here once. My dad has been here a handful of times to help me move, and usually we'll get a we'll get a cheesesteak. Him and I. Um, there's a good barbecue place in I think it's in Fishtown called Fede Sal that we, that we like a lot. Um, I'm trying to think where else. Yeah, you. I mean, usually won't get anything crazy. I, just because like they, my parents just don't eat cheesesteaks. Neither of them are from Philly. Neither of them have spent much time in Philly. So like if my dad's here, like we're getting something quick, we'll either get cheesesteaks or barbecue or if both my parents are here, like one of those options. Speaking of cheesesteak, I was going to try and take my parents to Angelo's, but apparently they had a fire there and they're like, closed right now i had no idea oh geez yeah i i have yet to eat at angelo's like i mean you know kudos to them they're always super packed um it, it's tough to to get in there anyway again it's you know you got to go in it's takeout stuff yes they they had a fire i think so, they've been closed since like december or something like that i think something like that i mean if you follow them on instagram they're pretty funny they're, they're constantly talking about their updates and they've had a fire they've had a flood and stuff like that so I've not been to Angelo's yet. We have a, we'll, we'll have some cheesesteak talk later in the, in the episode. We have a, uh, an interview for you guys with Temple Recruit, Temple signee, Heiser Miller. As you guys know, he's planning on, on being a big part of Temple's future. One of two recruits so far from the 2021 class, along with Zach Hicks from Camden Catholic High School. There's a mailbag question there uh, for National Cheesesteak Day. Um, it's not too much of a cheesesteak guy, but he, he lives in South Philly, not too far from Phillips Cheesesteaks, which is a kind of a underrated place i haven't been there yet for all the years that i lived in south philly and had a house down there on the other side of broad street never got over there but uh maybe we'll we'll venture out into the suburbs here somewhere to get a cheesesteak tonight somewhere in, in delaware county sam one one last food question for you before we get to the the Hysia miller interview and we got a little bit of uh football stuff for you there's a football mailbag question to um some conversation about temple losing out on weston kramer was supposed to come in as a uh really would have been a high impact transfer defensive tackle um, has now decommitted from Temple. Sam, if, if I get to Boston again and I miss the North End, haven't been there in a while, 
where beyond like some of the, like, you know, everybody talks about Mike's up there, the, like the famous bakery. What's your favorite restaurant up there? I know there's fire and ice, fire and ice, fire and ice. It is my favorite restaurant in the world. And there are two of them, but one shut down. There was one in Harvard square and one in Cambridge. Mm -hmm. And I forget which one shut down, but, um, I had been going there for my birthday every year for more than a decade. Like probably since I was like 10, I had gone there every year for my birth, 10 to like, I had been going every year for my birthday. I love that place. Imagine you wearing and, a mom, fire and ice, fire and ice. Fire and ice. <laughs> it is so good. And I was so sad that one, so one shut down like within the last two years, I think. And then obviously the other one wasn't open or hasn't been open because of COVID. So I haven't been in a long since pre-pandemic i guess my birthday before the pandemic so my so you weren't able to go 20th, for your 21st birthday right I, no i couldn't go for my 21st but i think i went for my 20th what, um, what's and my mom tell us about fire and ice so it's it's the kind of place where like they it's like a nice restaurant where they make the food in front of you basically like there's a buffet of, of raw food and raw vegetables and raw like literally anything you can think of and they give you a they give you a bowl to start with and you put everything you want like you know rice noodles meats veggies whatever into the bowl and you pick a sauce and then there's this big circular grill in the middle of the place and you like get in line and then they have they like throw your food onto the giant grill and then they cook it all in front of you and they give it back to you so it's kind of like stir frying everything they also have burgers there, which my dad likes a lot, but I don't, I don't know. I don't like to go there for burgers. So I, I usually get like, just like some mix of rice or noodles or meat and veggies. And the food is spectacular there. Sam, I'm on their website right now. You are not in any of their pictures. <laughs> I should be. That's a I shame. honestly should be. He would be like blowing out birthday candles in one of them. That is my go-to. That is my go-to restaurant if I'm going into Boston. And my mom actually texted me the other day and said, once this whole thing is over, I will, we'll go to, we'll go to fire and ice. And okay. I said, up there. now what about my, my original question was if I'm going specifically to the North end. Okay. Like I places in the North end, just like general food. Yeah. I miss, like, I've been there a couple of times and I just remember walking around. There were so many Italian restaurants and it just smelled like, like sauce and, and meatballs and every i was like this is good like you know again like people traditionally think south philly i think new york's my apologies to our north jersey and new york listeners i think new york's little italy is a tad overrated i think you can get good italian food all over north jersey and other parts of the city but the north end really struck me it's it was it was good there's a little italian place little isn't just small not like little italy there's a small italian place in the north end that i went to I think like last winter and one of my friends, his uncle, like no, like knew, knows the guy that runs it. So he was able to get us a table and I'll have to get back to you on the name, but that was a really, really good kind of like hole in the wall Italian place. Mm -hmm. That would be my, that would be the first one that comes to mind, but I, I would not say I'm a frequenter of food in the North end because it is expensive mm -hmm. and the North end is extremely nice. Um, but it's also really nice to walk around. Mm -hmm. Like it's to just kind of go walk around the North end. And then there's the, place with the milkshakes that i'm blanking on the name that has these giant giant like smoothie like not smoothies i guess they're like milkshakes um that are creative and fun that's cool but i'm again blanking on the name of that i'd have to look it up well we'll save that for next week sam's, sam's uh, i'll have some homework to do for next week's pod 
So, uh, and we actually, in, in this Heiser Miller interview that you're going to hear in a second, he actually talks about cooking a little bit, um, said that that's something he likes to do outside of basketball. But again, you guys know him as, again, like I said before, a big part of this Temple recruiting class averaged, averaged a double-double this season for Newman Goretti, 18.4 points per game, 10 rebounds, had two double-doubles this year, including one and a one-point overtime loss to, uh, to Archbishop Wood. Um, they had a tough situation this year where they had a player that later in the season was declared ineligible and they had to forfeit some wins. So they couldn't compete for the PCL title. They're not in the PIAA playoffs. Um, but again, Hasir Miller, one of two players coming in along with Zach Hicks from Camden Catholic. You're going to hear from him now. Uh, got into a little bit of everything, why he chose Temple. Um, you know, what he, again, what he does outside of basketball. Um, I think you'll hear a guy that you know talks a lot about leadership. Uh, his toughness, where that came from, how his recruitment came together. So uh, we'll play this interview for you here and react to it on the other side. All right, we are excited to be joined on this week's episode of the Scoop by a first team Philadelphia Catholic League, also uh, Philadelphia first team All Catholic League selection, and uh, you guys know him as a, an important piece of Temple's recruiting class for next year. Newman Gretti, point guard, Hasir Miller, kind enough to join us on the Scoop. Thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Thank you, man. Appreciate you for having me. Oh, no problem. Well, let, let's start with the, the first question there, the, the first team all Philadelphia Catholic League piece of things. Uh, that's, you know, that's one part of a really successful season that you have, but you know how many great players have come through the, the Philly Catholic League. What does that honor mean to you? Oh, I'm honored, you know, but, you know, I also look back at the work I put in to get there. So sometimes I'll be wanting more. So I'm always the type of guy that like is, is an honor, but always know there's also more work to put in. So I always kind of use it as motivation. Like don't ever get stagnant when you get like an accolade or something. You just always got to know there's more to get and there's bigger things there. This year, how frustrating was this season between, you know, having to follow COVID protocols and having to forfeit certain games? How tough has that been considering you guys won the PCL last season? It's been tough, but, you know, you guys got to deal with it the best way possible and to stay together as a unit. Hey, Sir, um, where do you think you got better as a player this past season? I feel like I got better as a leader, just communicate with my teammates and just find the others and just making the game simplified and making it easy. Sir, you, you know growing up in the city, you've probably heard fans talk about how important they think it is for Temple to keep some of the best players home, but you know you know how hard that is. I mean, even just being a Newman Gretti guy, some of the best players – there, whether it's Quade Greens, Jardine, Rick Jackson, those guys have gone on to places like Syracuse and Kentucky. Um, you, some guys are just, you know, really highly recruited. Some guys feel like they want to get out of the city and experience something else. You were different, and it seemed like staying home really meant something to you. And because it did, this fan base, the Temple fan base, people who are listening to this podcast, really seem excited about you staying home and coming to Temple. I think you're the first Newman Gretti guy in recent memory to commit to Temple. Do you kind of have a sense of how excited the Temple fan base is about you coming there next year? Um, I, a little bit, but I know they're pretty excited. I'm excited as well, but I didn't really grasp everything yet, but I, I know, like, I've been seeing it on Twitter, over my page and stuff like that. A lot of people have been, like, just excited that I was, I was committed to Temple and things like that. You were obviously a big part of uh, of you guys beating Roman and winning the PCL title last season, but at that point, your recruitment still hadn't really taken off just yet. When did things start to change? Can you kind of take us through that process of of when your recruitment, I guess, started to build up? 
You know, um, just after the championship game, like a lot of more schools started reaching out to me and like going into like the AAU period before like everything got shut down. That's when they were starting to like kind of rise a little bit. But like with the with the COVID, it kind of slowed down at the same time it was going to like almost rise. And you were playing uh, in a run over the summer in Jersey where you dropped 50. Um, can you take us through how that kind of played a role, A, in your recruitment, what that did for your game and for exposure of your play? Um, it, it got me some film, some good film out to more coaches, like the Temple they could see a little bit more. And honestly, like, I just put the work in. So I knew that coming into that game, I just got to be aggressive and just try to showcase some of the things I've been working on over the summer. What do you remember about that game? I mean, you scored 50 points. Like, what, what stood out for, for your game? What are some of the things you had worked on over the summer in, in terms of uh, from those runs? Just being able to, like, you know, get some separation when you shoot. So basically, a, a good shot, you got to get some separation because always it's not going to be a catch and shoot. So just be able to create a little bit of separation. And also, just get some nice angles in the tech down low and finish. Just work on my finishing as well. Steer, with the way things have been during the pandemic, you couldn't take a lot of visits. You continue to get better and better. And obviously, went on to have a, a heck of a season even after you committed to Temple and then, and then signed with them. A lot of people think you're underrated and then Temple got a steal and that you might have gotten some bigger offers had you held out. Do you feel that way, or is there something, or is that something you just don't really think about? I don't really um, get into like recruitment thing. I always, I'm always big on relationships. So like, even if it's a bigger school, I'll choose like a smaller school or something based off the relationship. So relationships big for me, and like how do I, the next person treat the next person, and like that that family that family environment. Sierra, a lot of people know you by your nickname Fabe. Can you tell our listeners where that comes from and the the origin story of that nickname? Um, I was, before I had my mom here, her little brother, um, my little brother, I'm sorry. Um, I was the youngest child, so and I was the baby. So everybody just called me the baby, but my, my brother that's older than me, he couldn't pronounce it, so he always said Fabi. So I just, <laughs> I just took the Fabi away and just, it's all Fabi, but it doesn't matter to me either or. <laughs> um, and another question for you about your game. I recently talked to Coach Brennan about about your season and kind of where you've improved. And one thing that he mentioned is the big part of your game that's taken a step forward is your ability to get to the basket and kind of compose yourself and go into contact. He said you're, you're, he didn't have the number off the top of his head, but your number of and ones this season has been astronomical. What can you talk, take us through like, how do you work on that part of your game? I think a lot comes with like condition as well. Like, I do like a lot of layup drills and different type of finishes. And even just like this work and now I just do like layups that I, I wouldn't normally do in the game. But just in case it happens, I'll be ready for like that angle or something. So most times I just I just I just be in shape. I'm in shape so like I can I can go to length of the floor with somebody around me and I still be able to finish because I won't be as tired or as fatigued as the next person. So you're back in July, our, our friend Del Greco Wilson, I know you know Del really well. He wrote a really good piece on you, and part of the title was called The Long Slow Grind. It was this, again, a really good story I'd recommend everybody who's listening to this podcast reading. And it was really about your whole your whole journey and your whole story and and how you know it even took you a while to get to Newman Gretti. You were you were commuting up to King to play and you played for Sean Colson there. Can you tell us a little bit about that time and just, just playing under him and, and what it took for you to, to, to get to Gretty? Because, you know, I think some people think, oh, he just ended up at Gretty and was a star right away, but you really had to really had to work at it. Sean Coulson, he definitely, um, my time at King was definitely a, a interesting time because 
a lot of the stuff I didn't understand what he was telling me because I just wanted to go get 20 points because I, I think I feel like at the time I had the capability to do so. But he always told me, like, play the game the correct way. You know, if you got a teammate open, find them all the time. Even if they 0 for 6, give them a seventh shot, give them a chance. And that and that really played a big role in my development because you got to play the game the right way when you're around a talent level that can, that can that's up to par, what I would say. Because sometimes we didn't always have, like, exactly basketball players on our team. Like, we would have regular students. It was different from Newman's already, but it definitely played a huge role in my development, just being able to think the game and always play the right way. Mr. So your your family, particularly your mother, Juanita, and your brother, Mark, are a big part of your life. Can you talk about what, what they've meant to you and what it's going to mean to have them close by when you're at Temple? And when I think about my, my mom and my brother, they always push me to, to get more out of anything. So, like, I always know that, if I if I if I complete something, try to complete it faster, try to complete it in a different way. Always just push me to the next level and always know that if you do complete something or don't always always get overly confident, know it's, it's more of them to grow. So when I think about them two as individuals, they always push me to that next level, give me that the next gear and always fuel me. And just going back to your game a little bit, was there a particular point last season, whether it was a moment in practice or something in a game where you really felt like you were starting to turn a corner because you really came in at Newman Goretti kind of having to try to prove yourself? I feel like the most important part of the season last year for me is when I realized that, like, I was bigger. To, to, I, I meant more than a team into just scoring and defense. I knew that I had to. I had to, like, come out of my comfort zone and, and, and talk more and be, and be really a, a vocal leader and actually, everything you know—if you say something to the next person, your teammate, you gotta be doing doing your diligence. So I always knew that for me to say something to the next person, I always had to just be on be on my um be sharp myself almost. That was a big part for me, just realizing that like somebody had to step up and and be the guy that 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 could tell the next person you know pick it up or let's get a better shot and just lock in on defense. Like that was like a role that I. I realized that needed to be filled. Sir, in addition to, to Carl Aragal, a guy on the staff who's been important to you is, is one of the assistants, Coach John Brennan. We talk about him a lot. He posts a lot of your workouts and a lot of video from your runs last summer. Can you tell us about the work you've put in with him in those early mornings in the summer, all the work that you guys had to do when you couldn't be at your own gym, and, and really what he's like as a coach and just a person? Um, coach John is almost he, – he's not almost. He's he more than a coach because – with us, our relationship and a lot of relationships that I see him have with other kids is always more than basketball. But the work we put in, it, it's just you, some people, they're not built for it. Like, I feel like when you when you got a coach that believes in you so much like Coach John, he's going to instill that confidence and that dedication, that grind. Like, even if you got it yourself, he's going to make make it better. Like, so he's the type of guy that that'll bring more out of you. So the work we put in, it was it was me as well, but. He also pushed me and, and, and reminded me that it's always more work in a train, train like a professional, train like like you're going to get paid for it, train like this is what you're going to feed your family from and always take every rep serious. And just on the note of uh, your guys' summer workouts and John, Coach John Brennan posting all of that stuff up, he had told me that uh, you guys will be in games this past season and that's the kind of thing he'll bring up. Like we were the ones at six in the morning you know, running on the bridge and working out over the summer. And he said, that's become a big part of your culture, I guess, and, and bringing you guys together. How has fighting through a pandemic to work out over the summer helped your team this past season, help build the culture, help build that toughness of your group? 
because we all we all live like by like almost the same motto when you when you come to New Madrid as a basketball player. We all know is like what you put in is what you get out of it. So we know that if we put enough work in, we gonna expect the results. But at the same time, it's basketball. So sometimes you might not you might forget all the work you put in. So we just use that remind ourselves like they the next team didn't do this. So why are we gonna cut ourselves short? Let's play like let's play like we want to play. Let's play like how we train to play. So that's why we always reflect on all the work we put in because we we put the work in. So let's get the most out of the work we put in. See, this might sound like a simple question, but you know, everybody describes you saying he's really tough. He's really tough. And that might sound like a basic term, but you know that not every player is like that today. And I know that's something that appealed to Aaron and Chris and the whole staff there. Um, and then on top of that, you know, you can shoot, you can play, you can defend, and you've got all that with it. Where does it, it sounds like a simple question. Where does that toughness come from? Because not every player is like that. They can be skilled, but the toughness isn't there. And coaches worry about that. Temple does not seem to be worried about that with you. Where does that come from? Um, it comes from experience. It comes from like this trial and error going through stuff. Cause like when I first started my high school career, I wasn't the best defender. Like there's videos of me, actually people scoring on me and stuff like that. So Coach Sean will always tell me, play defense, play defense. And I, at the time, I didn't always, I was young. I didn't have a body for it or, and I always knew that that's something I want to be able to do because I didn't, I take it personal if the next person score on me or the next person score on my teammate. I take it personal if we not doing everything we supposed to be doing. So that's something that was, um, that's where the toughness comes from. Just, just taking everything personal and, and wanting to be better because if you be tough on defense, that allow you to get out on transition, allow you to do a lot more. So I always realized that you got to stay tough. Real quick question for you before we get to, we have some mailbag questions here from some listeners and fans. When when you committed to Temple and you finally decided to go to Temple, I know you've talked to Sam about this before. What was it about Aaron? I know you said there was the relationship piece of it, but what was it about Aaron and the staff specifically where you just said, I'm, I'm shutting this down and I'm committing to Temple? You just, when you get recruited, I feel like as a person, like I always, I can, I can decipher if when somebody's like, you know, I could decipher the realness or, or just how a person communicate with me. So this is my relationship with them as a whole through the whole time. It was never a time when I felt like maybe this, maybe that. It always been upfront and honest with me. And that's one thing as a person, I, I'm completely honest. I wouldn't go here and tell you a lie if I could tell you the truth. If I knew the truth, you're going to know the truth. That's something I live by. So it always was like Aaron, he just so much wisdom throughout his recruitment. And just not even before I even committed, he had just give me advice and more advice and more advice. And, and they'll always leave me the positive stuff. Even with Chris, he'll give me advice, and he'll always keep it real with me. And then we had conversations that outside of basketball, outside of my recruitment, even though, like, because I feel like a coach can ask me, like, how your family doing? That's, anybody can ask you how your family doing, because they just want to make sure you're okay. But, like, it's bigger than that. They'll, we had life conversations, conversations about jobs, your future outside of basketball. So that was big for me. Like, just being around the staff that, like, it wasn't just about the sport. It was more than that. And then when it came to the sport, they also gave you, gave you the feedback or the knowledge that you needed. So we got some reader mailbag questions here, and these are screen names that I'm reading off the names of people. So the first one comes from uh, the screen name is Mike TB31. He, his, his question, who are you actively recruiting to join you at Temple? So I know guys sometimes will say, hey, you know, talk to some other guys in high school. Come play with us. Come play with us. Is there anybody you're trying to get to come to Temple with you in the future? I've been talking to the coaches and um into into um a couple kids, but one interesting prospect that I really like is one of my my close friends, Javon Adams. He go to Olympus, um class 2022. 
like the six nine, six seven. I mean six nine, six eight forward. But he got guard skills. But I, I like his game a lot. If you guys don't know who that is, kind of get a whiff of it because you're going to know soon. <laughs> the next one, uh, the screen name is Fig1. Uh, his question, looking forward to seeing you and Cherry and White. What are your personal goals for your upcoming freshman year? And have you decided on a major yet? Um, me and Coach Brennan was actually talking about a major all today. So that's something that we're getting a little bit closer to, you know, that it's getting closer to picking that. And um, some of my, my personal goals just – Coming in and, and being assertive, being a leader, just try to fill fill any voice possible. Like if I see it, see this, the team lacking in any areas, try to pick it up, and just and just try to bring my toughness and try to rub it off on everybody else. Even though they already are tough, I'm just saying, just make everybody better, just elevate each other, mm-hmm. try to make everybody sharper. That's it. Next question. The screen name is Temple J. Uh, his question, hi, Sierra, we're, we're proud of you to have you uh, Philly star stay home, not only raise up to you, but Philadelphia as well. What are your strengths on the hardwood and what do you think you need to work on? Um, I feel like I can get to the rim really well. I still want to work on still finishing. Like, I feel like every area of my game can be improved at any time. But like just be able to get my teammates better. I feel like I, that's something I, I want to do on my own, like just continue to be a better leader, just make make the game easier for my team. That's one thing that I want to get better at on the hard work. Mm-hmm. Next uh, question here. The screen name is what, what to you? Uh, his question is how excited are you to be part of a class with Zach Hicks and how often do you and Zach talk? I'm extremely um, excited to be um, a part of a class with Zach Hicks. That's a great player. He's extremely confident and he definitely can stretch the floor, but me and Zach, we got an okay relationship. We definitely got to, you know, um, communicate a little bit more. But, like, with, like, our season is just ending, it was kind of tough, you know, with practice and everything every day. But me and him got a great relationship so far, but it's definitely going to get better And as time come on, come along. Next question, the screen name is Park Al. He says, welcome aboard. What's something unique you'll bring to the court on day one, both physically and mentally? Just make the team better, like, you know, if it's offensively or defensively, like, I feel like I can impact the game in both ways. So I feel like we could, we'll be able to, to score easier and we'll be able to defend better. That's two two things I can, I, I'll guarantee almost. Next question comes from the screen name. It's Vanter. Uh, it says, Temple fans have already anointed you as a potential program changer. How do you react to those expectations? I don't really react to like stuff like that. I just... I just say, like, whatever gets you there, that's what you need to continue to do. So I feel like the hard work that I put in to, to, to be a part of Temple's recruiting class, that's the same work. Or if, I'm going to put in more work, but that's the same amount of work or more work I'm going to put in to continue to grow. So, you know, I'm just excited to even be in the position I am now. So, so next question, the screen name is North Broad. His question is, when will Soul Diggins give you your MVP trophy back? And that's a reference to the fact that he got named Catholic League MVP, but a lot of people a lot of people think you were very deserving of it as well. A lot of times throughout the year, people would say, hey, Fabe's the best player in the city. Um, so how, how do you feel about that? I know you're, you seem pretty modest, but do you feel like you feel like you should have been the Catholic League MVP? Do you feel like you were the best player in the PCL in the city? Um, you know, he won it. I, I, I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a guy who always get a credit to where it goes, and he's the MVP. And but I feel like I definitely had a chance to win MVP. But I understand how it worked. We didn't get to finish our season. 
um, we had um, an issue going on with the school, like with our um, with our eligibility or something. So I, I'm not sure how all that um, how that was handled and everything, but I understand that I didn't play enough games or whatever the reason why I didn't get it. But me personally, I feel like I feel like I definitely should have. It definitely, it definitely should have came to Newman already, though. Mm. Definitely. So I have one quick question for you. Um, we, we only have a couple more for you, but I just have one quick question. You did something this season that really I don't think any basketball player has ever taken part in doing before this past year, and that's to play basketball while, while wearing a mask. Can you, like – I mean, it's, it's tough to, like, take us into what that feels like and what that's like, but can you just kind of give us some sense of what it's like to play with a mask on? Because I, I imagine it's not easy. Um, do you work out? I'm, I'm just quick question. Yes, but when I work out like with a mask on, it's fine. But when I do any kind of cardio and run, it's like the worst. So it's, it's almost it's like, like the, it's it's the breathing part of it. It's almost like running until you can't run no more, and then like you know how you'd be exhausted and you might have your hands or your knees, mm-hmm. and then imagine trying to get air and putting a mask on your face when you at your like your lowest point when you have no more stamina, just putting a mask. On. That's <laughs> how- like when you can't run no more, but you stop and you got your hands on your knees, imagine gasping for air with a mask on. But a lot of the games, like a lot of the schools, they wouldn't really be that hard on us. So they'll let us get air or let us play a couple possessions with a mask down. So mm-hmm. I kind of, that was a good thing. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad after you got used to it. And then it was, um, they had got these, these new meds, a lot of the college programs use as well. They like, I think $25 and, they, and they're really easy to breathe in. So that was um addition mm-hmm. once we got. So two more quick questions for you. And, and we, you know, we really, really appreciate your time today. I, I know a lot of guys will say, Hey, what, what I'm a basketball player. I don't do much other than my schoolwork and basketball, but w- what's something that you, you like to do other than basketball, or maybe something that, that people don't know about you, you know, cause we say all the time we have guests on and you guys probably get the same questions from reporters all the time. What's something that you don't get asked about or something that people don't know about you outside the game. Um, I could play some Call of Duty a little bit. I'm I'm really good at like video games, but like I could cook. I can cook a bit, so I can make a couple dishes. What do you um, cook? I, all all the basics, like you know your basic pastas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like some breakfast foods if you go into like pancakes, mm-hmm. egg, bacon, and all the good stuff. So I can make a lot of breakfast foods and stuff like that. You gonna start up? You gonna start up a like an Italian restaurant on Passionca Avenue at some point? You think? I don't think so. I think I'm more the guy that cook for like if I eventually in the future, like my family or like, you know, just the typical stuff cooking to survive. I don't, I don't think I would want to get into like into like the restaurant industry. But, you know, if they want me to become a chef, you know, that might be something I might have to take part in. And the final question for you. Um, today's National Cheesesteak Day. Uh, everybody in Philly always gets asked like their favorite cheesesteak. Are you, are you a cheesesteak guy? I can't eat a cheesesteak. It, they are extremely good, but I don't, I don't really take part in that too much. It's just like a kind of like a little messy and, and like I don't always. I gotta have like a taste for it because I ate it. I ate them so much, you know, being from here, like yeah. that's like a meal that like is really good. But then I kind of like outgrowing it almost. But like, I can eat one here and there. So if you had to pick, if you had to pick a place, I know from where you, where you are in South Philly, I guess like Phillips is close by. Do, do you have mm-hmm. a favorite place? I would say like Ishkaville was on South Street or something, something along the lines of that. But typically, I my my um my neighborhood convenience store can get you a, a great cheesesteak. I, I don't all of the big cheesesteaks they they good, but if you really want a good one, you gotta.
go to a convenience store. Like I'm, any corner store, I might can get you a good cheesesteak at Philly. Yeah. Asir, thanks so much for spending time with us. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. We'll look forward to covering you down the road. Thanks for being on the podcast with us today. Thank you for having me. Have a good, blessed day. So again, a big thank you to Newman Gretty point guard, Asir Miller, for spending some time with us. Again, had a, a heck of a senior season that was kind of cut short. You know, they had some games that they had to forfeit and uh, didn't get a chance to get into the PIAA playoffs and uh, play for a PCL title. Uh, but again, he averaged 18.4 points per game, 10 rebounds, average a double-double, 6.4 assists, 2.9 steals, surpassed 1,000 points for his career. Uh, a lot of stuff there to, to, to break down. What would you guys take from the interview? Um, I can take it first. One thing that I thought was interesting, and this is something we've talked about a, a handful of times, just because, A, we've had him on the podcast, uh, and B, he's been a huge part in, in his Sear Miller's growth. Uh, and I guess him as a basketball player is Newman Gretti assistant coach John Brennan and Hasir Miller obviously spoke very highly of him, but talking about their relationship, especially over the summer, like when they were putting in those workouts, he described him as, you know, he's, he's more than a coach to him and to a lot of guys. He's really an important figure in their lives and someone that's someone that's been important to them, both to his growth, to a lot of guys around him. And he spoke very highly of him. So not something I would say I'm necessarily surprised by, but something I thought was noteworthy to hear him continue to talk, to speak so highly of, of his coach. Yeah, for me, it was him just talking about his relationship with Aaron McKinney and Chris Clark. I know Sam has talked to him about, you know, his relationship with the, with these coaches. But, I mean, I feel like that he went further in the depth and, and just talking about, like, he knows, for lack of a better word, like, he knows when people are kind of, like, BSing him, I guess, so to speak. And, and they, they weren't about that. They were totally invested in him, full on, like, in on him. And it and seemed like, very, like, from hearing from him, it seemed very genuine. So, um, that was in interesting just to, to get more like introspective into that because I know we can only you know it's all one-sided you can't hear about how these coaches develop the relationships with these recruits until they officially sign and I don't know if Aaron or, or Chris I mean they, they've given us like breadcrumbs but, but nothing substantial so it, it, it was great to hear that from us here uh again with the mailbag question about uh uh, who are you actively recruiting to come to Temple and he mentioned Javon Adams from Olympus Prep a, a, a 6'9 or 6'10 forward from the class of 2022 and he said you guys if you haven't heard much about him you'll hear about him soon um so something to keep an eye on there and then also i, I you know it might sound kind of trite and cliche but he really talked a lot about leadership you know when when he was asked a couple of those mailbag questions you know we, we've heard a lot like the toughness toughness he's real tough he's a program changer and again obviously i think what triggered the temple offer that they knew about him was you know he really really kicked things up a notch was, was really good in the PCL title game last year. Sam mentioned the, you know, some of the runs he had over the summer in the absence of AAU ball and he dropped 50 in that one game against some really good players. So obviously when people see, Oh, he can, he can shoot and he's good offensively too, but people always talk about the toughness with him and he's just cut a little differently than everybody else. And, and you heard him a couple of times in the interview saying, I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader. And it just sounded a little different coming from him. You know, it's easy to talk about leadership, but, you know, he talked about affecting the game in more ways and just scoring. And that really just seems to be a, a big part of, of his DNA. And, you know, I, I, we've talked so many times about, you know, how Aaron and this staff, they, they want an identity for the program. Obviously they got to win a heck of a lot more games next year. They want to get to the tournament, but he's described a lot as a program changer. And I, I felt that kind of came through in, in, in the conversation here. All right, so transitioning over to, to football, quick update here, and then we have a couple of um, 
football mailbag questions here to close things out. Um, you guys know between last week and, and this week, to, uh, you found out that Weston Kramer, who was headed to Temple as a, as a transfer from Northern Illinois, looked like he was going to be a big piece in shoring up the defensive line at defensive tackle. Uh, he is no longer coming to Temple, and we got that'll lead us into a mailbag question. But Sam Newman, what do you what do you know about that? What does that mean for Temple? Well, I reached out to a couple of sources. Um, so one of them heard that a Big Ten school hit him up, and 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 um, Western Western Kramer might be going there. Um, the source couldn't confirm, but that's what he heard. And I mean, that probably would appear to be the case. Um, it, it makes sense, especially I mean, he's kind of cut from that cloth, um, and he's from you know the area of where big fo- uh, Big Ten football centralized. And um, another source confirmed didn't know the details, but confirmed that he would not be coming to Temple. So obviously, like. It's, it's a loss. I mean, I, I think it would be a significant ad for them, but um, I think we're going to talk about it in, in the mailbag question, but, or maybe I'll answer it right here. But I mean, the way that Dan Archibong talked up Nick Bags, especially um, should, should, I mean, it should have people encouraged a little bit that they, that they might be, I mean, the staff, I think Walter Stewart has done a decent enough job of developing defensive linemen already to, to put faith in their staff and developing young interior guys. So just what Archibong said about Nick Bags might like makes me feel less like worse about losing Kramer, but it's still like one of those where, where you're kicking yourself. Like this would be, would have been a great guy to keep here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that mailbag question to come from fig one and the mailbag question was assuming Kramer is out now, what a defensive line also, why would Temple not follow up and ensure he'd signed his LOI? Well, we don't know. We honestly don't know. Either way, if he had signed his LOI and he's getting out of his letter of intent or if he signed a scholarship agreement of some sort. So we we can't really say for sure. But as Sam said, you know, this stuff can happen sometimes, especially in the portal. Now, if he was approached by Big Ten school. Sure. I'm I'm sure the fan base looking, you know, looking from the outside in might be saying, hey, how could they not hold on to a former Northern Illinois guy with this staff? But. I don't know. I mean, Sam, you mentioned Nick Bags. Who else has to step up this year? I, mean, I think you would like to see stuff from uh, – I think you would like to see progression from Demeric Morris and Gary Varner. Varner. Obviously, Zach Gill is going to play a, a big role. Um, when I talked to Jeff Nolsey, he really talked up Kevin Robertson. Um, so I think those are probably going to be your two vet guys there, Zach Gill and Robertson, and then you'll see probably – I mean, they love to rotate interior and exterior defensive line. So I think you'll see a lot of the young guys mixing in. But, I mean, there's still time for them to add another interior defensive lineman if they like. And we know that they still have a couple of scholarship spots to play with at, at, at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And the last, uh, the last mailbag question we have here to, to close things out, it's also a football-related one. Again, it comes from our friend Pat Egan from 97.5 The Fanatic. His question, it's a two-parter with the, the, the and in all caps. So it's usually one – sports question one life question biggest position battles heading into spring camp which starts next month and worst cheesesteak story you have in honor of national cheesesteak day so biggest position battle heading into spring camp uh sam newman will go with you first sam Cohn, then we'll we'll go over to you and i'll finish it out then we'll talk about our whatever our worst cheesesteak story is I would, I would say, I mean, just mentioning the interior defensive line, I, I think you would assume that Weston Kramer and, and Zach Gill would be those two guys that you would, you would probably circle in. So maybe that second um, interior defensive line spot next to Zach Gill, number two cornerback and potentially um, quarterback, obviously, and, and running back. I think those are the four biggest ones. Sam, think if, if you're going to name, Sam, if you're going to name every position group, there's no point in John or I even <laughs> having the discussion. <laughs> 
keep Sam, going. Keep going. You gotta, fight, you gotta fight for your scraps here. You gotta follow up. Un- unbelievable. Sam, um, keep going. What else you got? Wow. Uh, no, those are the only four ones that I, I was I was going to name. And I, I mean, obviously, I think you just have to say quarterback because that's the, the most important position on this team. That's the one I was going to go with, with with Trad Beatty out. And, you know, we don't really know what we're getting, what we're going to see in Deuce Mathis. Uh, I, I think that it's and, and a lot of young talent coming up in that at that position. I think that's probably where you're going to see the most competition. Yeah, I mean, I think there's that's the one that everybody's going to focus on. Again, Dewan Mathis, we, we, we know about the, you know, the, the recruiting profile coming from Georgia. You know, but does a guy like Mariano Valenti make it interesting for him? You know, he, he sat, had to sit out last year, but again, the staff, and I'm not trying to drum this up. We just, we won't know until spring ball comes around and preseason camp comes around. Again, we don't know if we're going to have in-person access for spring ball. I, I, my guess is that it's going to be a lot more stuff on zoom, but at least there will be spring ball and there will be questions to ask this time around. But yeah, that that's one to, to that's one to, to keep an eye on there. Again, I think that, you know, Deuce Mathis is going to have to come in and compete for the job. Coaches say that all the time, but you know, we'll, we'll see how he reacts to that. Or if like, like we said, a guy like Mariana Valenti makes it interesting. CJ Perez talked him up a good bit. And I think at running back too, you know, does a guy like Rayvon Bonner come in and, and really cement himself as the lead back and a guy like Tavon Ruley, who has been solid, you know, does he become the, the five to seven carry a game guy? Either way, does that, you know, does that make them sharper at that position? Um, also have Iverson Clement. Yeah, in there. Does, yeah. Does a guy like Iverson Clement come in and push for, for playing time right away? Um, you know, like obviously you, you have, you have Jaden blue and Randall Jones at, at receiver. And I, they seem to be excited by what they have in Jose, Jose Barbon, Devon Fox. Um, you know, they like what they have a tight end with David Martin Robinson. Um, you know, we'll see, but I think you guys kind of hit the nail on the head with some of the other ones, number two cornerback position. So um, again, we're just excited to have some questions to ask at spring ball next month. So we'll have a better, better handle on that. Pat's second question, your worst cheesesteak story you have in honor of national cheesesteak day. I think our, I think the worst, this is a shot at Sam worst cheesesteak story in my life is hearing Sam Cohn call it a steak and cheese about a month or two ago. I think that's what I think that's a fair. I don't know if that's my story. I don't know if I have a worst cheesesteak story. Do you guys have a worst cheesesteak story? I honestly don't like have a bad one. I mean, maybe like, you know, maybe before coming to Philadelphia and eating like cheesesteaks, like quote unquote cheesesteaks in in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. Um, not actually a cheesesteak. Yeah, I don't think I necessarily have like a bad one besides like trying to go to like gyms on a couple of occasions and like the line being around the corner and like, oh, well, go to Ishkabibbles now or something like that. But and yeah, it's not uh, like it's a bad alternative, but like you, you want a gym. So. And Ishkabibbles is Hasir Miller's favorite cheesesteak spot. Anyway, uh, yeah, the steak <laughs> and cheeses up north are not exactly amazing. Worst cheesesteak story. I would say I don't I don't feel like I've had enough cheesesteaks or gone out for cheesesteaks enough times. Like the sample size isn't large enough, but I've had a really horrible experience. Um, I've had my order messed up before. That's kind of a, a day ruiner. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I have like a horror story. I don't know if I do either. Like, I think all my cheesesteak stories have been. Pretty I feel like Kyle would have a good one. Kyle probably has a cheesesteak story about like eating a cheesesteak that didn't agree with him and then him having to 
<laughs> run to a bathroom or something like that. I, I can remember a, a couple of years ago, I met up with a couple of friends of mine and we went to the garage in, in Northern Liberties and Joe's is across the street. And we decided to have a late cheesesteak, came back and I get home and, you know, cause we sat in the place and, you know, if you sit in a cheesesteak place, you will come out smelling like fried onions and cheese and the meat and everything. And I get home and Chelsea said, Oh, so you guys stopped for a, a cheesesteak afterward. I said, how'd you know? She's like, you, you smell like the place. And I was like, yeah. And it was like two in the morning. She's like, you're, you're going to shower before you fall asleep. Right. And I was like, come on, I'm, I'm fine. She's like, I want you to shower before you go to bed. <laughs> you smell, you smell. And she likes, you know, I mean, we don't eat a ton of them, but um, I got a laugh out of that, but I don't know. We'll, we'll try to find a, a place around here out in the suburbs to find a, a place tonight. But I, I don't know. I don't know that I've even attempted to eat a cheesesteak outside of outside of the city. You know, when they call them again, I'm not trying to teach you too much here when they call the steak and cheese or if they sell an authentic, real Philly cheesesteak. Nah, I, I yeah, never, never again. I mean, maybe like places in, in South, I feel like obviously you probably could in Jersey, but like never like, you know, never like outside of, of this vicinity. Will I do that again? Well, for, for me, it's gotta be, you know, I think that you can, I think that you could be anywhere and dice the meat and the onions and the cheese and whatever you want to put on it. To me, it's the bread. If it's not, if it's not on a good, like Sarcone's roll or something similar, I think that's the biggest thing that people run into is you don't get the good Sarcone's bread or again, something similar to that in other areas. And I think if I were eating a cheesesteak somewhere and the bread was bad, it just, it's just, bleh. it's the worst. It's the worst thing to, to hit your lips in the whole process, I would say. So anyway, that'll do it for this week. Thanks to Pat for his question and all the mailbag questions that we got uh, with the Hasir Miller interview. And again, of course, a big thank you to him for spending as much time as he did with us on the podcast as well. Figured he'll be a pretty important piece for the Owls next year, along with Zach Hicks. Again, they have one more scholarship to fill, potentially two. We'll see how things go with any potential roster movement in the portal. So thank you all for listening again this week, and we will talk to you soon.